We started a, a series a few weeks back called Identity, uh, and we've been talking, we're going through stuff, right? We've been going through, um, what is our identity? What is our value? Who are we? What do we mean? Uh, you know, what is our purpose? All that kind of stuff, right? And, we, and I had sort of planned to have four messages, maybe throw one more in, and it was going to be kind of the introduction message that we did on this, and then one on men and their identity stuff, and then one on women and their identity stuff, and then one on children, and like what's important about the identity of children. Um, but after the study on men, and before I get to the one on women, I got sidetracked in this one, like what's the identity of a Christ follower? And it was supposed to be one sermon, and this is the third message of that one sermon. Uh, so there's two possibilities. One is that it was just way too long of a sermon, and there's a lot to say. The other is I am just avoiding talking about women, um, because... <laughs> I don't want to have to do that. It's easy for me with men, okay? I can yell at men, and I'm like, hey, grow up, you know? You know, do better, take a shower, you know, yeah, do whatever. <laughs> so you stop acting like a child, you know, with men. They're like, yeah, all right, blah, blah, you know. But with women, it's like, um, would you mind possibly thinking about maybe? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's in the Bible, but I, you know what? It's probably my fault. It's probably my fault. Harder to preach that way, right? Uh, that's not how it's going to be, ladies. That was all a joke. It's coming, it's coming for you. So, um, yeah. I know you like it that way, too. We, we all, we all want to grow. Um, okay, either way, this is the third week of this message, and we're going to try to get through it this week. I make no promises about anything, but uh, if this is your first week, kind of back on this three-week, one sermon that I've been doing. Um, let's, let's catch you up. We're going to kind of do that last week on Acts Church. You know how they do that with the shows like the dramas, and it made sense back in the day when we all had three stations, and you could only see it once a week, and you had to be there at that time to see it. There was no, like, VCRs and all that. That all made sense, but in the Netflix era, when they do that, and they're like, last week on Line of Duty, and they're going through the four minutes of what happened, it's like, it wasn't last week. It was 30 seconds ago, right? Because we're binging through these shows one after another. And so it's like, that wasn't last week. I just watched that. I don't want to see it again, so I, fi so I want to fast forward, right? So I hit the fast forward, but here's the problem. The last week looks a lot like the this week. Same characters, same whatever, so it's hard to tell where the last week thing ended and the this week thing began. So I'm either stopping and I only got like a quarter of the way through the last week thing, and the people who are watching me are like, come on, man. Or I get a quarter way through the episode and we've missed some important plot point and they're like, I should not have a remote control. Um, I'm not good at it, but you know, I'm a man. So I use the remote control. That's just the way it is. Actually, I can save myself the whole women's sermon. That was what I was going to talk about. Yeah. Let your man use the remote control. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Women can totally use the remote control as long as their husbands aren't with them. That's fine. No. People are like, this is my first week, and I think there's a problem with this guy. I'm kidding. I make a lot of jokes like that. Um, if you don't like that, it's going to be a rough time for you. I'm sorry. Uh, that's just kind of the way I, I do things. Anyway, no, my wife uses the remote control. I don't even know how to do it. Um, so... Oh, in any case, let me catch you up. We have been working through how we can know that we're Christ followers. How can we know that our identity is in Christ? What does it look like to be a Christ follower, right? Because anyone can say I'm a Christian, right? Many people do. And you're like, mm, okay, I'm not sure you, that word means what you think that means, right? You kind of get to that point with somebody. Um, so we want to talk about how do others know that our identity is in Christ? How do we know that our identity is in Christ, that we're actually following Christ? I'm not talking about getting saved. 
That's an amazing thing, and that's awesome. But after that comes the following, comes the discipling. That's why out on the wall out there, it says, yes, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. All awesome, all good. But then it says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. That's the Christ following part, right? You can get through the first couple parts and then go, mm, I'm not sure I want to observe all that he's commanded. And then maybe you're not so much a Christ follower. Maybe you got saved, but maybe you're not a Christ follower. So what does it look like to be a Christ follower? This is what Jesus says. We're, we're in Luke uh, chapter 6. Uh, it, there's Bibles in front of you. If you want to read a pad of a paper Bible, you can also read it off your phone or iPad or whatever you people use. It'll also be up there. Hey, look, it's already up there. Um, but if you do not have a Bible at home, those Bibles, and I got good ones on purpose, take that home. That's your Bible. You don't have to pay us for it. You don't have to do anything. We want you to have the Word of God in your home. So if you do not have one, please take one with you. Let's start with verse 46 in chapter 6. It says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord? Right? What does Lord mean? You're in charge, right? That's the whole point. Lord, you're in charge of me. Jesus is Lord. That means he's in charge. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm Lord. That means I'm in charge, but you don't do what I say. Maybe I'm not so much Lord of your life. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you who he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing, Lord, Lord, yeah, but I'm not really going to do that. That person, what is it like, right? It's like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. If you are following Jesus, if you are a Christ follower, you're going to do what he says. And by doing what he says, you're going to be in a place on the rock, on Jesus Christ, where you cannot be shaken. If you don't, it's really bad. Because not only will you not weather the storm, immediately your house is going to fall as soon as bad stuff comes, and great will be the ruin. So it's kind of important that we know what it looks like to be a Christ follower. The works that he has prepared for us beforehand, that we should walk in them. What are they? What are we doing? We don't want to move when the world comes at us. We want to be on the foundation. That's where we want to be. So there are traits. There are character traits. There are disciplines. There's all kinds of stuff. I'm only going to be able to get into some of it. Right, that are part of our identity in Christ. And they have to do with following what we are called to do, to obey his commands. And I know that like we struggle with like obey. You know, a lot of people like do their own vows now because I think they don't like the to love and obey thing. Right? That's not fun, especially since only the girl says that one, which is, you know, they don't like that. We don't like it. Submission? Don't like it. Submission to the one who made you is the only thing that makes sense. He's the only one who knows how to tell you what to do so that the best will happen for you. We have to be submitted. Now, last week we dealt with the first two in the list. You can get your notes out if you want. You might want to keep a list of these. They'll come up on the screen like that. And you can write them down for you online. It'll come up at the bottom of the screen. Love was the first one. Oh, man. That I mean, go back and watch that one, because if you ain't loving, you ain't living. 
and you sure ain't living for Christ, okay? Um, and then growth was the next one we did. And if you aren't growing, it's kind of hard to say that you're following Christ when you see no fruit, when you're not growing. You've heard the parable of the seed. Some goes here, some goes there. Some of it like sprouts up and pfft, it's gone, right? Some of it just gets scorched up, but some of it's growing. 30, 60, 100 fold. That's what it looks like to be a Christ follower. You can go back and watch that one. It's online. It's a nice thing about technology. It's a lot of not nice things about technology, but that's one of the nice things. Number three, knowledge. We should be gaining and growing in knowledge of God's word. Okay? There's a lot. I want to be careful, um, which is rare for me. Um, there's a lot of people out there who want to peddle you self-help, okay? They want to tell you how you're already powerful and you're already this and you're already, all you need to know is that you're already the best. And there have been some people, I think from pulpits that have kind of adopted that and done something very similar. They kind of use this only kind of as a convenience when it happens to be consistent with sort of the be happy message. You need to know all of this. A real serious Christ follower reads this book like an adult, recognizing that it's hard and that there's a lot to it and growing in knowledge of it. If you can name all the good players on your favorite sports team, but you don't know seven Bible verses, that's a problem. It's an issue. Okay? If you can show me how to do 10 different Knitting stitches or whatever it is that you're into. I don't know. People, I see a lot of people, they like to knit. Um, but you don't know that Second Hezekiah is not a book of the Bible. You're missing out on something. If you know all the characters in the Star Wars prequels, you have bad taste in movies. <laughs> That's not a Bible thing, but it had to be said these many years. Okay? Terrible movies. All right. We're going to move on. That's not in the Bible. That's just my own personal thing. Um, no, if you know the best way to, to hunt a rabbit or a deer or how to change a head gasket in a Ford Escort wagon, which I do not, um, or all the important points of your political view and what everybody's saying, but you can't explain to your neighbor from the scriptures how to become a Christ follower and be saved, there's something wrong with your Christ following. The priorities are out of whack. You have the gift of the scriptures. It is a gift that has been given to you. And there have been times, we all kind of go through ups and downs with how much we're reading the scripture and how much we're studying, but man, when you do pour in, it's kind of like worship. It's always pouring back. It's like, man, how have I not been more into this? I don't know how many of you know Colt Milton. He's one of the people here. If you see his Bible, it looks like a coloring book. He's got like, he opens, he's got like the big, remember we used to all back in the 80s, we had the big like leather things and we'd carry those around with the Bible and it's like, you know, uh, you, there's this big brick, right? He's got that. And he's got like all these pens in different colors and he's in there, he's like, you know, doing all this different stuff because he wants to know the word of God. I love it. I love it. It's hard to read because of all the colors, but he wants to know the word of God. This is how we need to be. This needs to be a passion in our heart. It's a gift that we have the scriptures. They're awesome, really in the real sense of that word. People use the word awesome all the time, like, that was an awesome skateboarding trick. Not what awesome means. Something that's full of awe. Awesome. God is awesome. His word is awesome. We cannot neglect it. Why I tell you to take one of those Bibles home, that you might open it up. Knowing the scriptures 
is a fundamental part of your identity as a Christ follower. It just is. The Apostle Paul, he's traveling all over the place, right? First century, man, he finds Jesus. For those of you who went through the study of Acts with us for about three years, you kind of know, hopefully you know some of this or you remember some of this. But Paul's going out, right? He's preaching the word of God. And, he, and what he'll do is he'll go to a city and he'll go to the synagogue, right? Because Paul it comes from a Jewish background. He's a Pharisee. He's, he knows the Bible. So he wants to go into the synagogue and he wants to kind of get his Bible out and go to the Jews and be like, Jesus was the Messiah and he's preaching and whatever. And some would come and follow Christ. But a lot of them would be like, nah, get out of here. You know, sometimes just get out of here. Sometimes like we're going to pick up rocks and throw them at you. It just depended on the city. But he'd go and then he'd go to the Gentiles, everybody that wasn't a Jew. And then he'd preach to them Jesus. And many of them found Jesus. Now, why is it that he's preaching the Bible and there's some who are rejecting him? Because the Jewish people at that time were blinded to the power of the scriptures. They knew the words. But they didn't have knowledge of the scriptures. You know how I know? Because if they had knowledge of the scriptures, they would have seen that Jesus is all throughout, beginning to end. Everything in this scripture is about Jesus Christ. So when Jesus comes and when Paul preaches Jesus to them and shows them from the scriptures, if they don't see it, it's because they're purposely blinding themselves to it. One way or the other, they couldn't see what was so obvious. This is why as Christ followers, we study the scriptures because they're all about Jesus. And we are following Jesus. So why wouldn't we want to know everything we can about him? Paul had a little different experience in a place called Berea. Listen to this in Acts 17. You can pop that open in your Bible. Acts 17, you're like, back in Acts again, we're never going to get out of this. No, it's all right. We're, we're not going to go through the whole thing. Let's start in verse 10. Where is verse 10? Somewhere on this page. There it is. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. This is what they did, right? These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, in other words, because of that, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women, as well as men. Now, why did these Jewish people believe and others did not? Because they were fair-minded and they searched the scriptures. My guess is their Bibles looked like Colts. They were studying the Word. So when he comes to me, he starts preaching the Word. First of all, they're like, I want to hear the Word. I love hearing the Word. Bring it, Paul. And he's bringing it, and they're like, I haven't heard about this guy who died and rose from the dead. Let me check that out. And they're going through it, and they're like, yes, boom, boom, Genesis, Isaiah, Ezekiel. It's all in there. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And they're like, yeah, we're in. Because they're fair-minded, and they search the Scriptures. How were they able to do that? Because they knew the Scriptures. How are you going to know falsehood from what's true? you got to know the scriptures, right? I think we've talked about this before. How do people know counterfeits? Because they know the real thing really well. How are you going to know when a false teacher comes? Well, who is going to protect you from a false teacher except the Holy Spirit and you 
and the good teachers you have learning the word so that when the false teacher comes, you can go, I can search the scriptures and go, uh-uh, not true. This is a mark of a Christ follower, knowledge of the scriptures. I don't see how any of us can be serious about following Christ if we're not going to read his word. We've got to learn the Bible. For some of us who grew up in the church, we sort of had the benefit of being taught the scriptures from an early age, right? Some of it was good. Some of it was not great. Depends on what church you were in and where you grew up and all that kind of stuff. But you got something. Uh, This is also the benefit, by the way, that our kids get downstairs in Acts Kids. That's what they're doing down there. They are getting the benefit of learning the word from a very early age. They're learning the books of the Bible. I've even had one of them come up and quote the books of the Bible to me, the whole thing, and I'm just like, dang, good, good job. I can't remember anything, you know? Why do they learn the books of the Bible? Well, easy, because when I'm going through here and trying to find something real quick, because I know the books of the Bible, I know where it is. I can be like, oh, it's that one, it's after that one, it's before this one, right? They're learning that, so that's just so they can study this. Meanwhile, we're also teaching them the stories of the Bible, we're bringing them up. It is an amazing, an awesome we're going to use that word, gift that you parents are giving to your children who bring your children here to be down in next kids because they're going to grow up with it. And it's going to be a great gift to them. Some of you, the Lord found you when you are a little older. You didn't grow up with it. Maybe you grew up with a totally wacky idea of it. It's going to be maybe a little bit more work for you. Maybe it's hard. Maybe you don't like reading. A lot of people don't like reading. You know, because that's what they made you do in school, right? And so I'm not really into reading anymore. Hey, listen, um, it is hard. It is work. Maybe some of you have a hard time connecting with the context of the Bible. You know, a lot of the stuff it was written a long time ago in sort of a different place in the world and all that kind of stuff. Listen, push forward. Keep working. Keep asking questions of your brothers and sisters in Christ who have studied the Word. Keep attending life group and studying. Keep coming on Sunday mornings. This is a lifelong journey. Studying and knowing the scripture. The Christ follower studying and knowing the scripture is just a a mark of the identity of a Christ follower. It's just what it looks like. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. How can you observe the commandments of Jesus if you don't know them? And how will you know them if you don't know the scriptures? Pretty easy stuff to understand. Listen to what the psalmist says. Just overjoyed at having the commandments of the Lord from God's word. This is Psalm 119, 9 through 16. It's right in the middle of your Bible. Is where Psalms is, so you can find it there. 119, that's towards the end. There's a lot of Psalms. Man, this thing is getting hard to turn the pages on. Time for a new one, perhaps. All right. Man, there we go. I just given you time to get there. It's not me, it's you. <clears throat> All right. 119, verses 9 through 16. It's a long psalm, so we're going to have to go back a couple pages. Here we go. Here we go. I love this psalm, by the way. The whole thing is amazing. How can a young man cleanse his way? Well, by taking heed according to your word. You got issues? You got sin? You got stuff? Hey, I've got a solution. Take heed according to the word. With my whole heart, I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. I don't want to sin against you. 
How can I keep myself from doing that? Hide the word in your heart. You got to know it. You got to know it. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. You want a lot of money? Most people do. This is better. This is better than money. That's pretty amazing. And it costs you nothing. You can take one from the back seat, back of the seat in front of you. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. Delight myself. I will not forget your word. I will not forget your word. How can you not forget it? You got to read it a lot. Like I said, I forget everything. So I got to read a lot to not forget. When I, when I look at things like Psalm 119, it, it kind of gets me like excited. And you're kind of like, well, you're a weirdo. And that's fine. That's fine. But I am moved and joyful when I think about God's righteousness. When I think about how good his commandments are. It makes me excited. It moves me. There's something that happens. There's like that deep joy that kind of comes where I'm like, oh, I love it. I love it. When I think about the truth of his word, I'm moved, I'm joyful. It's exciting and wonderful to know the truth of the Lord. You all have probably taken a math class, okay? I was not a big fan of math. I am still not really a big fan of math. I'm a fan of my wife, and she's a math teacher. But the whole math thing, I'm like, you do that. I'm not going to, I don't understand any of it. But when I was taking math classes, occasionally, they'd be teaching something. They'd be like, you know, there's like letters and all this stuff. I don't even know what's going on. But eventually, like, I would get it, like what they were doing. And it'd be like, oh, I got it. It makes sense. Right? Those moments in the word are like, boom. They're amazing. When you see like, there's another layer here. There's another, there's some deeper meaning here. This connects to this. God loves me that much. His truth is that incredible. It's an amazing thing. I am moved and joyful when I think about the truth of his word. It is exciting and wonderful to know the truth of God from his word. And the more I see this world moving into confusion and fear, all the more joyful I am that I am rooted and grounded in the word because that puts me on the rock and I cannot be moved. I cannot be moved. My foundation is Jesus Christ. Well, how do I know anything about him? Well, I read his word. It's all about him. Without the scriptures, I wouldn't have the promises that give me the strength to face the difficulties in life. It's those promises. I got to go to them. I got to go to those promises. I don't know how many of you know this, but when I was about 22 years old, I, I was diagnosed with a severe anxiety disorder, okay? I had panic disorder. I have OCD. It was like, boom. It, it was, my whole life changed in an instant from it. It looked like, it felt like I was never going to be able to do anything. I was in college at the time. We had just had Corey, and all of a sudden, I became useless, just caught up in fear. One of the things that God has used to put me, I could never have done what I'm doing right now. I still couldn't do what I'm doing right now without the power of the Holy Spirit. But the power of the Holy Spirit giving me the things from his word that I could count on, that's healing. 
That puts you on the rock, even in the really dark times. If, if you've ever struggled with an anxiety disorder, you know what I'm talking about. It's rough. But when you can go, I know the promises of God, you can get through it. It's an amazing thing. I would not have the joy that I have without the word that guarantees my salvation and eternal life in Christ. When I don't have to worry about, because trust me, I am a disaster. I would be very worried about being in heaven, being with God, being anywhere near God. If it were not for the fact that the word tells me that if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And that I know that verse and that I got to tell myself that verse. Because in order to be clean, I had to have Jesus Christ die for me. Rise again, defeat death and hell and sin. And I need to know that because I am a joke. I'm a disaster. No offense. I don't care if you're offended. You are too. You need it. You need to know it. Without the word, I would struggle to know who God is. Who am I? What's my purpose in him? I wouldn't know any of that without the word. The Bible is precious. Precious. Trust me. If you had to choose between this and wealth, this and health, this and anything, take this. There are people in the world who do not have the scriptures in their language yet or who just have a little bit of it, you have no idea how just joyful they are to get a couple pages of Scripture. And we're sitting here with Bibles coming out our ears. And we're just like, yeah, I'll get to that later. I got Netflix. Last week on Light of Duty, right? Let's treat it like it's precious. It is precious. This is a precious thing. We must grow in our knowledge of the scriptures if we are to know we are Christ followers. And if we are to be known as Christ followers, we got to know the scriptures. All right. <clears throat> That's one of the 12 that I have to get to. <laughs> Commitment, number four of 12. As Dr. David Robinson, no relation, um, but one of uh, the chairman of our elders here, many of you know, as he often says, you got to be there to be there, and if you're not there, you don't care. Very catchy and very true. Very true. Commitment is definitional to a Christ follower. Commitment. Come on. Be there. Be there. you got to be there. That's what commitment means. It means being there. If you say you're on the softball team, okay? Yeah, how many of you played softball before? I never do the hand-raising thing. I just thought I'd do it. Yes, I see you. Yes, I see you. All right. <clears throat> if you say you're on the softball team, and you've got the uniform and everything, you're like, yeah, oh, what's that shirt? Oh, it's a softball team I'm on. But you've never shown up to a practice, and you've never shown up to a game. I've got some news for you. You're not on the softball team. Okay? You've got a shirt. That's what you've got. You're not on the softball team. If we say we're Christ followers, but we don't show up, to gather with the Christ followers, which at Acts Church, where most of you are called, means gathering as a full group to worship and study the Word on Sundays. It means gathering during the week to build relationships and study the Word in a life group. It means volunteering in different ways to fulfill the Great Commission of seeing people come into new life and grow in Christ and be discipled. And that happens at lots of times in lots of places. If you're a Christ follower, if you're on the team, you're showing up for that. You're committed to it. That's the way it works. 
Here's what we read in the Bible. This is Hebrews 10. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Let me say this again for those who struggle. Some of you kind of have the, I can do the me and the Holy Spirit thing. Some of you are online, and this is, that's all you can do. You can't be here. Don't be. I, I worried about like the online people. Be like, well, but I can't be. It's okay. You're good if you can't be here. But those of you who are online and can be here, listen really closely. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. There should be some conviction for some of us. I've been there before. Some of you are like, I haven't been here in six weeks, and this is what he's got to talk about. Yes, this is what I'm going to talk about. But exhorting one another, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm exhorting you. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let me be very clear. The day is approaching. If you cannot look at the world and recognize that the day is approaching, you're missing out. Even more than at other times in the past, where maybe you could have gotten away with sort of the I do the twice a month thing because I have hunting club or whatever. Oh, I'm sorry. I, was, I didn't mean to look right at you, Buff. I, that's, even, that's no longer possible. You got to be there to be there. And if you're not there, you don't care. Commitment defines a Christ follower. Obviously, if commitment defines the softball team, some worldly thing, where we try to hit a big ball, and I have struck out in softball. Slow pitch, by the way. I just want you to know that. Just in case you hear from somebody else, I want to be the one to tell you first. I have done that. That's nothing. This is our lives. This is our eternity. How can we be like, yeah, we got other things to do? What does that say to the world? Oh, you're a Christ follower. Oh, yeah, when's the last time you were at church? Well, you know, um, I, I, Christmas, I was there for that. Last year, um, you know, COVID is a thing, whatever. And it is. And you know what? Get yourself to church. Get yourself to church. All right. I'm not done exhorting, but I just had to take a breath. Look, that means we're here every Sunday. That means we're here every Sunday unless you're ill or on vacation or in quarantine like I was a little while back. That means joining the life group and meeting during the week. What is our life going to be about, guys? Make a decision. This is serious. And depending on what God is calling you personally to, it might mean things like other Bible studies that the church is doing. Hey, maybe it means getting in the end times Bible study group, which you don't even have to go anywhere. You can sit in your pajamas and do that on Zoom and eat Cheetos. Although that's not good for you. You shouldn't do that. <clears throat> you know. I actually don't like Cheetos, so there. Um, it might be that you need to get involved in orientation. It might be that you need to get involved in youth group. It might be that you need to go on one of our mission trips to Honduras. But I don't want to go there. What if they don't have food I like? Grow up. They do, first of all, have amazing food. But you know what? If that's what God's calling you to do, trust me, it's not that hard. A lot of you have been to Honduras, and you'd be like, yeah, it's not that hard. We even have hot showers now. Be glad that you haven't gone when I've been out in the middle of nowhere, and a shower means going to a bucket full of water, don't know where that water came from, with another little bucket where you're pouring this stuff on you in just like a room that anybody can walk into, and it's freezing. Okay, we don't have to do that anymore. We've got like hot water heaters. Honduras is okay, okay? Just a little plug for that. 
etc. You got to be committed as a follower of Christ. All right, I got to keep moving. It's 1109. Number five, forbearance. Part of love means bearing with one another and forbearing when we are offended. I know that most of you don't get offended, but some of you do. And when you do, let me read you this, Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Therefore, as the elect of God, okay, we're giving, we're, we're giving you a title here, elect of God. This is what, this is an identity. It's like being on the team. It's like wearing the shirt. So if you're going to wear the shirt, this is what you got to do. Holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, that's like the, the trump card, right? It's like, oh, yeah, he did forgive me a lot. So you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Hey, listen, I know you all are going to offend each other because I already told you, you all are a bunch of disasters, just like I am. We're going to offend each other, okay? Our call, what makes us different than the world is that we don't allow offense to drive our emotions into overdrive. We go, you know what? I can forbear that. Because Christ forgave me of an awful lot. I can let that go. I can even understand. I've probably done something similar. Don't hold grudges. Don't hold grudges. They're going to crush you. Somebody used an example at one point, something like, it's like trying to kill a rat by you drinking the poison. It's, it's killing you. The bitterness, the grudge, it's only hurting you. The other person's like, oh, they had a grudge? I didn't even know. I was just doing my thing. Because, you know, they're not very thoughtful. That was the problem. Anyway, don't hold grudges. See the best in your brothers and sisters. Work to see the best. It's hard to see the best sometimes. You know, I know. I know what I'm like, so I know it's hard to see the best in me sometimes. Have some patience and some forbearance. Don't avoid one another. You know, press in a little bit. If somebody's difficult, help them to not be difficult. Maybe you got to tell them the hard thing. Do it in love and kindness and humility and it might go somewhere. Don't avoid each other. Don't talk behind each other's backs. Talk in front of their faces. It's fine. It's fine. Just do it in love and kindness and humility. Forbearance is a great witness to the world. Many in the world have no patience. They hold grudges. They make enemies. And these people in the world just might be, and I think they are, astounded when a Christ follower, acting like a Christ follower, is able to forgive, to forbear. I think that it's like, what is wrong with you? That guy just said whatever. And it's like, you know what? I've been there before. Probably had a bad day. I can live with it. And they're like, but punch, right? Like, that's how we punch. We're mad. That's how we deal with it. And you're like, no, that's not how I deal with it. Because you know what? Christ forgave me. And by the way, he can forgive you. It's an opportunity to evangelize. People are astounded by Christ followers who forbear and forgive easily. It's a witness. All of these things are a witness. All of these things that I'm saying, they're not just how you know that you're a Christ follower. They're how other people know that you're a Christ follower and they're a witness to them. Because after all, guys, we've been forgiven by God. And I know a lot of you, and I know that he's forgiven you a lot. Not as much as he's had to forgive me, because I am the chief of sinners. But you all, you know, you've had some stuff. We love our enemies because we've been commanded 
to love our enemies, and we love one another, and we love our neighbors as ourselves. That's what it looks like. That's what forbearance looks like. That means we have to put up with them even when it's difficult. In fact, it means we have to put up with them especially when it's difficult. Number six, holiness. This one goes with observing all the things that Jesus commanded, right? The life of a Christ follower should be marked by a growing holiness. Some people use the word sanctification, okay? Righteousness, doing what's right. You should want to be righteous. You should want it. You should desire it. You should want holiness. Holiness should be a sweet thing to you. It really should. People are like, well, but holiness, that's impossible. Now, hang on a second. And why, is, why does Jesus tell you, be holy as I'm holy, if it's impossible? It's impossible in your strength. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, you can live in holiness. You can live in holiness. And when you do sin, praise God, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And you start again in holiness, in righteousness. There's more than just giving up sort of the sin stuff, right? More than just like, hey... Um, I need to stop lying. Yeah, you definitely need to stop lying. But there's a lot more to holiness than that. Sin, which the book of Hebrews tells us so easily ensnares us, is one aspect. The other is just growing in holiness and righteousness every day. That means we're trying to be more like Jesus. Jesus is holy. God is holy. We want to be more like him. That means we've got to start seeing people as he sees them. That's tough. But that's what holiness looks like. We've got to see like Christ saw. We've got to hear like he heard. We've got to think like he thought. All of all those things that we have. Oh, that person. Oh, that person. Oh, what's... Nope. What would Christ think? When you see a person, you have a negative reaction. The first thing we should ask ourselves is, what, did, what would Christ think about this person? I'd like to spend a lot more time in holiness, but I don't have time. Growing in holiness is a mark of a Christ follower. Number seven, trust. Trust, and I think this is the last one I'm be able to get through today. But we got seven. That's, you know, we're getting somewhere. It's only going to be probably four or five weeks of this one-week sermon. Okay, 2 Timothy 1.7. This is a great verse, a truly awesome verse. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The world has broken our bodies, Okay. If you don't know it yet, you're 21, you're like, it's broken my body. Just give it a minute. It's coming, buddy. It's coming for you. Our bodies are broken, but you know what? The spirit we have been given is not a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You may have a pretty sound body right now, but over time, that's going to break down. And it's going to cause things like your mind to not be a sound like you to have fear, but that's not the spirit you have. So when your body, you got to under this, this is why you got to go to orientation. This is why you got to understand body, soul, spirit. When your body is jacked up, if you sow to the flesh, to the body at the place of soul, you're going to not have a sound mind and you're going to have fear. But if you sow to the spirit, which your spirit has been made alive, if you're in Christ and you're literally communing with the Holy Spirit, you're going to have power and love and a sound mind and no fear. That's what it looks like. And if we're going to be Christ followers, we've got to be growing in that. We've got to be growing in that. One of the marks of a Christ follower is not being moved by fear. Not the fearful thoughts and situations ever come. That's crazy. You live in a fallen world. They come. Rather, it's that when they do come, when they do come, we think about what is true. The truth is the antidote to fear. 
You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Truth, that's what Jesus said. I didn't make that up. Some of you are like, that's a good quote. Yeah, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. Truth is the antidote to fear. This goes back to why you need to know the scriptures and know the truth. The sword of the spirit. We were in, in an earlier section of this sermon, we talked about that. Right? Able to pierce. What? What does it say? It actually says to pierce between soul and spirit. Our soul has to go to our spirit, our spirit, that which we've been given, which is a power and love and a sound mind and no fear. So when these things come, we think about what's true. We think about what God has promised us. Listen to this, the 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 through 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal of the body, but mighty in God. What are they for? They're for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This is world-changing. If you struggle with worry, if you struggle with doubt, if you have an anxiety disorder, if you have depression, if you have these things, listen, you've got, this is it. Take every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. It comes, you're like, I'm not good enough. Never going to be good enough. Life's always going to be difficult. I can't make it. I can't do it. Or whatever. These people are going to destroy my life. Or they're going to destroy the country. Or these people are going to whatever. Or there's going to be, you know, whatever. Yeah, all that's going to happen. It's a disaster out there, okay? But what does God tell us? Take those thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, believing in faith that he will do everything that he said he would do. And what has he promised you? Good things. All good and perfect gifts come down from the Father of lights. Right? Again, that's scripture. I didn't make that up. We take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. That's what we do. That's what life looks like for a Christ follower. If you're not doing that, you're letting your mind, which, which you're talking brain, not mind, really. Mind is like soul. Brain is like body. You're letting your body and the fear that's in your body run your life instead of letting the spirit, which has no fear, but power and love and soundness of mind, run your life. A Christ follower is not moved. I'm not saying that like if a bear is coming after you, you're going to be like, I have a sound mind, sir. That's, I'm not saying that. It's a good way to end up in many pieces. Run. Okay, from the bear. I don't know if you're supposed to run. Somebody's going to be like, you're not supposed to run. You're supposed to face somebody. I don't care. Okay, just bear. Do what you need to do with a bear. That's not what I'm talking about. The kind of fear we're talking about here is the kind of thing that gets in you deep and that causes you to kind of be, what fear really does is it locks us up. It keeps us from moving forward. It can be painful. Look, fear can be way more painful than any physical disease. I can tell you that as someone who struggled with anxiety for 20 years who, praise God, has healed me day by day of that. But I know what it's like. And I would much rather have my arm cut off than go through the kinds of fear that I face at different times in my life. So I know, it's legit. But you can take those thoughts captive according to the obedience of Christ, and you can live in power and love and a sound mind. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, you probably know this one. You might have it on a coffee mug. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Good advice. And lean not on your own understanding. Even better advice. Can I tell you something? We don't know that much. 
And the younger you are, the more you probably need to hear this. We're not that bright. Oftentimes, we just don't understand enough of what's going on to make a decision, so we can't be leaning on our own understanding. What do we have to do? Trust in the Lord with all our heart. And then what happens? In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. If I'm afraid, who do I want directing my paths? Whoever the latest political candidate is, some teacher, some professor, even your parents, whatever. No, you want Jesus directing your paths. How do you get that? You acknowledge him. You trust him with all your heart. You don't lean on your own understanding. When he says, go this way, and you go, I don't, that doesn't look comfortable. That doesn't look fun. You know, I'm an American after all. I won't be treated this way. And he's like, no, you're going to do that thing. And you're like, you do it. And then you're like, oh, now I get it. Usually it's in looking back. And you're like, if I hadn't done this, if God hadn't made me do this, which at the time I was like, Lord, I can't believe you're doing this to me. And he's so patient with us. He's like this idiot. (laughs) How many times, I think back on my life and I'm like, how many times has God been like, this guy is absolutely the worst, you know, but I love him. And I have no idea why he does, but he does so much that he died for me, which again is just like, I just can't even deal with that. But I'm so glad that he did and that he rose again. But we had to trust him with all our heart. That means you step out. Remember that Indiana Jones movie, the third one? Uh, He's in this place, but you're like, no, I've never heard of that. Yes, you have. You've watched the movie, okay? Um, he's, He's in a thing and he's got to take the step out like this. On to the thing. I don't know. He could have totally gone like this, right? If you've seen the movie, there's no reason why he couldn't have been like, is the thing that was like, take the leap of faith or whatever. It's a cool movie, cool thing, but that's how we have to be. God doesn't let us do this. He's, it's more like, whoop, you know. It's like, hope I don't die. And he's like, if it's me, then if you die, it's good. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Again, I didn't make that up. That's from the Bible. We must trust Christ. And show the world that we trust Christ. This is an important and essential character trait of those who follow Christ. Trust. And it may be as, as significant in terms of opening up your opportunities for evangelism as any of these. There's nothing like a person who is immovable because they have no fear. I'm not talking about having no fear like the people who do crazy stuff. Ride their motorcycles at 150 miles an hour or whatever which I don't know anything about that, but that's not, that's not courage. That's just the ability to go like this, right? That's not a thing. Real courage is trusting God and being unable to be moved in death, in life, through plague, familiar to us, right? Through difficulty, if the world burns, we're not moved. It's not that we think that everything is going to always be happy for us. It's that we know the end of the story because we've read the whole book. See how all this ties together? And we trust what he has to say. How about we be a people, how about we be a church that's just known for the fact that we are just chilling while the world is freaking? What kind of a, everybody wants that for themselves, so what kind of an evangelistic witness would that be to the world? Let's think about that. Let's let God do that. Let's bring the band on up. We're going to pray. We're going to sing. If you need to come to know Jesus Christ today and you want to start walking in these things that we talked about, what it looks like to be a disciple of Christ, you want to have a life that's not in fear, 
and you didn't know Jesus, you have that opportunity this morning. My preference is that you would walk through those doors while we're singing and go back to the prayer room. I'm going to ask a few of our elders. Uh, Todd, can you get back there? Is Dave Vanderplug here? Maybe you can go back there. Uh, Pastor Dave. Um, they'll be back there. Just go in there and be like, Psh, I need Jesus. We'll take it from there. Okay? If you want to be baptized, you are in Christ, but you haven't been baptized and you want to take that first step of obedience that all these come after, write that down on a little orange card, okay? Because we're going to baptize some people. We've been baptizing a lot of people. Praise God. Guys, God is doing things. He always is. But we're getting the opportunity in this church to see some things happen. Do not miss it. Do not be afraid of it. This is going to be something special, what he's going to do in your life as you work within the body of your church here. Let's pray. Father, thank you for all that you do for us. I thank you for this worship team back here that's just going to blow it out, praising you. And I pray that regardless of whether we like the music or not, or it's louder, it's quieter, it's whatever, that we would look at this as an opportunity to give ourselves sacrificially in praise. I pray that there's people in this room today, Lord, that you've touched their hearts, that your Holy Spirit, it's not about me and what I do, Lord, it's about your Holy Spirit and what goes out. Because when we preach your word, it doesn't return to us void. You've told us that in your word. So as we read the word today, Lord, if you have touched someone's heart, whether in conviction to start following you more closely in some of these ways, or whether they need to know you for the first time, or whether they need to be baptized, whatever it is that they need, Lord, I pray that you would give them the courage to minimally write that down on the card. But Lord, if they would go back and pray and be prayed for by the elders of the church who have been designated by you and authorized to lead them spiritually. God, we love you. I thank you again for your servant, Doug Kiros, who was a friend of mine, that he's with you. And there's nothing that gives me more joy than to know that those that I love are in your arms. I pray again for his family. I pray for the family of Lewis Fletcher. I pray for the families of so many people that are dealing with so many things. God, let your church be used. Let us just be used. The day is approaching. Let us not forsake gathering. Let us not forsake serving others. Let us not forsake knowing your word. Let us not forsake living in power and love and a sound mind without fear. I love you, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.